and welcome to Plantiful Kitchen, the podcast where we talk about cooking delicious and healthy plant-based food. I'm Kevin. I'm a cat dad. I'm a software engineer, a former and sometimes current opera singer, and uh, amateur home chef. And I'm Courtney, a food blogger and vocal pedagogue from Montana, living in Brooklyn. Let's, Let's get, get cooking. Kevin, why don't you tell me about the best, most delicious thing you ate this week? Wonderful. I would be happy to. The most delicious thing I ate this week was Portuguese sausage stew. Now you might be saying, Kevin, Portuguese Portuguese sausage is not... Is not vegan. That is true. I was about to say that. <laughs> so it was fake Portuguese sausage. Um, I didn't know what Portuguese sausage was, so I looked it up. So it is traditional from Portugal, but it is generally smoked pork with garlic and paprika that's made okay. into a sausage. Yeah, that sounds so good. It, it does sound delicious, and I'd never had it as, as a non-vegan before, but we ordered a giant box of meat, as you do, from the herbivorous <laughs> butcher. Have you heard of them? Uh-uh. They're a company in Brooklyn that makes... Oh, they're not in Brooklyn. They're in like Minnesota or Michigan. Oh, yeah, yeah, somewhere. yeah. Somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And but you can buy their stuff around here, and they make uh, plant-based meats, and it's uh-huh. mostly seitan, sometimes with like pea protein mixed in. Okay. And so they make a smoked pork or a Portuguese sausage, and it was delicious. So what I ended up doing, I looked up recipes for Portuguese sausage, and traditionally it's made into a stew. And so I sort of hacked a couple of recipes together because I just used what I had in the cabinet. Uh-huh. And I used Great Northern White Beans, a can Delicious. of crushed tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I sauteed the onion and the garlic together in the pan, and then I added the sausage in. And then the little tiny Yukon Gold potatoes. Mm-hmm. I just left mm-hmm. those whole and threw those in. Sweetened it with a little bit of molasses, added some extra smoked paprika in there. And uh, let it stew for about 25 minutes until the potatoes were tender. Yeah. It was so good. It was so delicious. Really amazing. Yeah, I ate the entire pot almost. You didn't share any with Will. <laughs> he had a small bowl and I was like, oh, I'll have I'll have some more later. And I was like, no, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> what was your favorite thing you made this week? Um, so I infamously hate lentils that's right i hate them they're very mushy i don't like the taste why would you eat lentils when you could eat beans but uh we went to kava which is this mediterranean kind of like mediterranean chipotle have you been there you have have. been there Yeah. yeah there's one near union square oh okay uh really good though they've got like grains and salad greens and then falafel and hummus so very vegan friendly although it's not totally vegan so anyway they had these little black grains and i thought that they were wild rice but turned out to be black lentils so i tried them and they were so so much better than yellow or red i really really liked them and they reminded me like i said more of a grain like a barley or a wheat berry i tried them there Loved it. Decided to buy them at Whole Foods. Fun fact, you can get two pounds for $2.99 organic black lentils. That's very cheap. It is. Dry? Dry. Mm -hmm. Dry. Yeah. Can you even get them? I don't think you can even get them in a can. 
Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look. But um, they're cheap dry. So And they cook really easy in like 25 minutes. So I got them and made them twice this week because now I'm trying to add them into my repertoire and figure out what to do with them. So I made a Ethiopian stew, a black lentil stew with bearberry seasoning, I think is how you say it. Have you tried that? I don't know. Do you know what that is? I don't is? think so. Okay. It's a Ethiopian seasoning blend. Uh, and it's really good. So it, it has paprika, salt, cayenne, fenugreek, coriander, cumin, black pepper, cardamom, cinnamon, cloves, ginger, and turmeric. And it's delicious. Sounds fantastic. Very spicy, um, but really warming even outside of the spice. It smells like... Um, smells like Indian food, but it's more interesting, like more complex than like a <laughs> what? <laughs> smells like Indian food, but it's more interesting. But even better. Yeah. Um, so that was good. And then I used black lentils to make a, a grain bowl like we got at Kava with black lentils, brown rice. I did harissa hummus. That was really good. Oh, wow, because they have that at Kava uh-huh. too. And I made pickled cabbage to go in there. So it was good. All how did in you? All, sorry, how did you do the harissa hummus? I bought harissa at Trader Joe's, and then I made hummus and put it in there. <laughs> Very complex. Okay. So it kind of does what it says on the tin. <laughs> yeah, but it's the paste, not yeah. the like blend of spices. Got it. That's bad. If you've ever had it, no. that is not as good as the paste. So tell us about what is in season right now. What should we be buying? So there's a lot of the stuff that is in season right now are root vegetables that have been stored or that harvested earlier. And that's a lot of what you'll see through the winter. But Mm. one root vegetable I wanted to talk about was parsnips. Okay. Are you familiar with no. the humble parsnip? No, no, no. Nope. I don't know anything Neither about it. Neither was I until a couple years ago. So I'm going to read you the Wikipedia snippet. A parsnip is a root vegetable closely related to carrot and parsley. Its long tuberous root has cream-colored skin and flesh. And left into the ground to mature, it becomes sweeter in flavor after winter frosts. Really? So it's actually season in season uh-huh. in the winter. It's not just like stored for... Uh-huh. For eating in the winter later, but the frost, when it's still in the ground, makes it sweeter. So you could harvest it while it's snowy outside. after the ground is frozen. That's really cool. Yeah. If I had a garden, I could be harvesting (laughs) parsnips right now. Hint, hint. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, and if I don't know if you've ever seen them before, they are a little bit ugly. They're like they're ugly. They're carrots, sort of paler, whiter, lumpier cousin, mm. just like me. <laughs> and um, they look essentially <laughs> <laughs> like an uglier carrot. So you can pick them up at your farmer's market or at the like Whole Foods. I think has them this time of year. They should. Yeah. And people have been eating parsnips for a long time. Okay. They know about them because in ancient Roman cookbooks, they were like documented in ancient Roman cookbooks as things to eat. So really? So they're part of that family of like carrots uh-huh. and um, celery and um, parsley okay. that has been cultivated and eaten for a long, long time. That is very cool. So yeah. how do you eat them? Um, there's lots of ways you can eat them. So, oh, I also wanted to say okay. they are 
very, very nutritious for you. They have your B vitamins in them, which for vegans are mm. hard to get. Got they those. They have B1 through 6 and 9. Ooh. So missing 7 and 8. And then, but they they have nine. Okay, good. And they have tons of vitamin C. So for a three and a half ounce serving, it has 20% of your daily vitamin C, 21% of your daily vitamin K, and mm. 12% of your daily vitamin B5. So ideas on how to use them. Okay. <laughs> uh, use them anywhere, almost anywhere you'd use a carrot. I don't think they're not... As good as a carrot raw, but cooked, okay. they're much, much better because they get much sweeter. Really? They have 80% oh, cool. water content, and so, which is pretty... 80%? 80%. Oh, 80. I was yeah. like, that's very so low for a vegetable. if you cook them and get rid of some of the water, they get really, really sweet. Mm -hmm. So um, my favorite way is to roast them mm -hmm. and listen to the episode last week for mm -hmm. tips on how to roast them. They're also really good if you boil them and put them in with your mashed potatoes. Okay. They like add a sweetness and a nuttiness and like a little bit of like a spicy hint to it. They're good huh. in a stew. They mm -hmm. would have been really good in my Portuguese uh, sausage stew. Missed opportunities. And I was also thinking they'd be really good. Like a carrot ginger soup is super good this time of year. Mm -hmm. And it would be really good. Maybe half carrots, half parsnips. Yeah. And... Um, just pureed with ginger and some coconut milk yeah. and maybe some coconut, coconut yogurt on top and like coconut cumin. for sure. Some coconut for sure. <laughs> and maybe it's like some cumin sprinkled on top mm -hmm. or like smoked paprika or something like that. How would you use this them, is great. Courtney? I've never cooked with a parsnip. There's a whole family of root veggies I'm very unfamiliar with. Well, they're not like they weren't in the grocery stores growing up yeah. for you and for you and me, probably, like in the Midwest. Mm. They weren't at the the Aldi's or wherever we went shopping for... Did you go to Aldi's? We had an Aldi's. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. We had Buttries. <laughs> Do they have parsnips at Buttries? Not that I would know of. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that is becoming more popular as people yeah. are looking for... More new new interesting things to yeah. eat, but it's actually an old food mm -hmm. that is now becoming more popular again. So if you see a parsnip, grab it mm -hmm. and eat it. Mm -hmm. Pay for it first. Obviously. <laughs> and then grab it and eat it and it'll be delicious. So we're going to return to Alzheimer's as promised from last episode. So this time, you know, I wanted to find more foods we could eat that would hopefully help prevent us from getting this disease. Back in 1901. In 1901. Back in 1901, when you were just a wee toddler. <laughs> um, you're not that much older than me. It's just fun. Uh, so, Dr. Alzheimer. Was that really his name? That was his name, yeah. So, his very first patient, um, whose disease would become his namesake, I guess. Uh, she passed away, and he performed a post-mortem he performed a post-mortem autopsy on this lady who was only fifty-one, by the way. Um, so he wanted to look at her brain and see physically if it looked different than that of like patients who didn't present with these specific symptoms and he found in her brain not only the plaques and tangles which we commonly associate with the disease but he also found arterial narrowing and hardening so what does that sound like 
Alzheimer's. Arterial narrowing and hardening. Sounds like blood vessels getting narrower and harder. Yeah, which (laughs) sounds like heart disease. Heart disease. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this lady had atherosclerosis of the brain. Is that something that is normally you get of the heart? Is that heart disease? So atherosclerosis can be found uh, throughout the entire vascular system, right? But this is, he was able to see that this was happening inside of the brain versus other parts of the vascular system. Um, so anyway, here, here's what we can say about that. The link between Alzheimer's disease and other vascular diseases and the prevalence of clogged cranial arteries in autopsies has caused many like current neurologists to advocate that Alzheimer's should be reclassified as a vascular disease instead of a neurological disease. So what we can gather prevention-wise is if we can prevent vascular disease in other parts of our body, which includes erectile dysfunction, strokes, heart disease, if we can prevent those things, we can also prevent Alzheimer's with diet and lifestyle changes. At least like we talked about last week, the 50% of cases that are not totally determined by genes. That's really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. If you want to dig into this, I recommend, and I'm telling you and the people at home, I recommend you check out the work of doctors Dean Ornish and Caldwell Esselstyn, both of whom were clinically able to reverse heart disease in the majority of patients in clinical trials, and they had these findings published in peer-reviewed journals such as the American Journal of Cardiology and The Lancet. So they were able to show in clinical trials that were peer-reviewed that they could reverse heart disease. That's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. So Will was, um, without giving out too much personal information, like went to a doctor and the doctor told him he was Mm pre-diabetic. And um, a change in diet of cutting out all like white flour and refined sugars uh-huh. is like reversed being pre-diabetic, which is yeah, pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Was there any connection? Was there any connection between the patients that had heart disease and the Alzheimer's? In these clinical trials yeah. I was talking about, yeah. I don't think they looked into. I don't think there was any reporting of like Alzheimer's with these particular patients. But what we're thinking is that. The things that are good for treating Alzheimer's, or sorry, treating heart disease might also be good for treating Alzheimer's. Not treating. Or preventing. Um, prevention, Got yeah. It. Because while there have been clinical trials showing reversal of heart disease, as far as I know, there haven't been clinical trials showing reversal of Alzheimer's. Right. Because, as f- again, as far as I know, these plaques and tangles and arter- arterial damage in the brain causes nerve damage. And I don't think that is reversible. Like once parts of your brain begin to die, I don't think they can come back. But arterial damage around the heart or elsewhere in the body, that has been shown to be able to heal itself. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, 
So I, I wanted to narrow in on just one food or food group, the consumption of which may help prevent vascular disease. So again, I'm, I'm speaking more widely now of uh, the health of the whole vascular system instead of just specifically Alzheimer's, if we can assume that it's all connected. Um, and as much as I wanted to choose a fun, sexy food, I'm back at beans, man. <laughs> I found myself back with, with beans. So it's not fun, but here we are. So here's what I learned about beans and vascular disease. And when I say beans, I do mean legumes as a, I do mean legumes as a whole and not just like not just beans, but beans and lentils, split peas. Whole bean family. The whole fam. The aunts, the uncles, the cousins. They're all welcome here. Yeah. Great. Yeah. One serving per day, which is half a cup, has been shown in randomized control trials to lower LDL cholesterol. This is when controlling for other lifestyle factors. So just the addition of one serving of beans per day has been shown to lower cholesterol. They've also been shown to lower all-cause mortality risk by 8%. This was in a Puerto Rican study. Um, No, not Puerto Rican, Costa Rican, where they already eat a lot of beans. And beans have been shown to lower blood pressure. So the daily consumption of beans could be a powerful habit to guard against the development of vascular disease. So it lowers all-cause mortality, which means anything that might kill you. Dying. You should should eat some beans. (laughs) Car accident? (laughs) Eat eat some some beans. beans. (laughs) (laughs) It'll patch you right up. Uh, According to the current U.S. dietary guidelines, we should be eating an average of two cups of legumes per week. So that is much, much lower than the like statistically significant health effects of eating one serving per day. Our government wants us to eat them, uh, eat two cups of legumes per week. In spite of having that very low amount, the average American adult eats only a quarter of that at one serving of beans per week. Per week, just half a cup of beans. Yeah, that's not a lot of beans. And that's not surprising because... I feel confident that I eat more beans than that I do too. But do you think you ate that much growing up? No. Me either. Because you would never have beans unless you were like maybe in Chile or like refried beans at a Mexican restaurant, which is filled with all sorts of other grease and not good for you. Right, yeah. So this leads me to assume that either... A lot of Americans are low carb and they're like intentionally not eating beans or most of us just don't know how to eat them. We don't know what to do with them. Like British people have them on toast, right? We don't even do that. Yeah. (laughs) We will talk more about how Americans can incorporate legumes into their daily lives. Kevin, did you learn anything about cooking this week? Do you have any fun cooking tips or hacks? I do have some tips. I have some tips for you cooking. Do? Uh, yeah, you I have do. Tips? I do. Okay. I have some cooking tips. What are they? Well, it's going to be about tofu. Mm. That's exciting, actually. To- yeah. So tofu is one of those things that I think if it's done badly, it's gross. Yeah. And 
it's the I think the number one thing that people think of when it comes to eating vegan as a source of like protein. I totally agree. And it is a really good source of protein and a good source of calcium. So mm-hmm. I think it's an important part of a plant-based diet. If you want it to if be. If you want it least. to be. It doesn't have to be, but it's an easy way yeah. to to get those things cuz it's available. You can get tofu in any grocery store pretty much. Yeah. And um, That's true. And I was talking to someone who whose doctor said they should go on a plant-based diet and he knew that I was plant-based and he had all these questions about tofu and he tried to cook it and Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't any good Uh. so there are lots of different ways that you can uh prepare tofu Mm -hmm. and so there I'll get multiple segments out of this yay but I'm going to talk about one super basic way to prepare tofu that I think is really versatile and really delicious. Can I just say that I'm really excited you're talking about this because when I was talking with our mutual friend who is doing a like a one week plant-based challenge, she felt very intimidated by tofu and I remember making a mental note and being like someday Kevin needs to do a segment on just tofu and tempeh like basic help for that. So I'm really glad you're talking about this. The way I'm going to teach you how to do is just cubed tofu. Okay. Cubed pan fried tofu. Great. So first key thing to do is you want to press your tofu. Okay. And depending on how much time you have, it can either be really fast or it can be really quick. It's better to really fast or really slow. It can be fast (laughs) or fast. fast. Or it can be really quick. (laughs) So if you... If you have the time, you want to press it for about 20 minutes. Okay. There's a couple of ways you can you can do it. Um, so I guess I should explain what pressing yeah. tofu is. Tofu has a bunch of liquid in it. And you can get silken tofu, which is really soft mm-hmm. and almost like a jello consistency. You can get medium texture, firm, and extra firm. Mm-hmm. So for just regular eating, I always get extra firm tofu. Okay. That's a good so thing open up to remember. The package. And you can use a tofu press if you have one or if you want to buy one. They're about 25 or 30 bucks. So you can get them on Amazon. Really? I've then, seen them for like 10. Maybe I'm just looking maybe at the I shitty just have ones. have the bougie version of it. <laughs> Amazon only shows you the more expensive <laughs> version of things. It's an investment into your <laughs> vegan future. So, so the it you just want anything that will put weight on the tofu so Mm -hmm. the one that i have has has a big metal spring it's got a plastic lid and you clamp the spring down onto the tofu and then the water comes out of it but you can put your tofu on a cookie sheet you can put a plate on top of it and put some books on top of the plate yeah or sandwich it in between two cookie sheets and put books on top of it yeah or anything that's heavy books is the only thing i can think of that is (laughs) that is heavy so after heavy and stationary so that's if you have time for it. If you don't have that much time, that's okay. You s- still want to like squeeze it with your hands before you cook it. Yeah. And if pressing it for 20 minutes gets 80% of the water out of it, squeezing with your hands probably gets 55% of the water out okay. of it. So it still does a pretty good yeah. pretty good job. Once you've done that, cut it up into cubes and then dry those cubes off. Like pat them with, like, a, pat them with paper a paper towel, towel okay. or a dish towel. And then get a pan, a nonstick pan or a cast iron pan. Mm-hmm. Heat up a couple tablespoons of oil. Not too much. You don't want to 
deep fry it, mm-hmm. but you just want to m- make sure there's a little fat in there. And so get it to like a nice medium heat to where the oil starts to shimmer and then put the tofu in and leave it alone for five minutes. You have to leave it alone. If you're constantly tossing it around, it's never going to get that crunch on yeah. the outside and then you'll just get hot oily tofu <laughs> which <laughs> is the, love that. right which is the bad like not delicious type of tofu yeah um leave it alone for five minutes flip it over to the other side cook it for five more minutes and then after that if you need to move on if you need to cook it and eat it you can just salt and pepper and do whatever you want to. If you want to keep cooking it a little more, you can toss it in the pan a little bit, get some of the other sides crispy. But I have seen recipes where they tell you to do each side for like five minutes and there's six sides on a dice of yep. tofu. And so then it's 30 minutes yeah. plus 20 minutes pressing it and there's an, an hour just right. to make just tofu. Just for a block of tofu. Right. Crazy. No, no thanks. Yeah. So as long as you get the top and the bottom, that's 10 minutes. And it's great. Take mm-hmm. it off, um, salt and pepper it, and you can eat it just like that. Mm-hmm. You can add it into a stir fry. You can add, I like to just put barbecue sauce on it. You can do teriyaki oh. sauce, add some sweet and sour sauce, eat it over rice, um, put it in a curry if mm-hmm. you're making a curry. So there's tons of things you can do with it with just that basic method of cooking yeah. it. And it's crispy. It doesn't have that weird tofu flavor that can be gross Mm -hmm. um and it's pretty quick good that's how i like to do it yeah so more tofu recipes to come but try that one out okay good information i totally agree with the just leaving it alone in the pan i have a really good nonstick pan and when i'm searing tofu without any oil it's the same thing put it in face down leave it alone yeah and as soon as it's cooked for like five minutes and it's browned on the bottom it's kind of caramelized and you'll be able it to turns s- over easily yeah it unsticks itself exactly and you'll be able to see on the very edges of the tofu you'll be able to see it turning brown there yeah. so you don't need to peek and and check right yeah i was gonna ask if it works without oil mm-hmm. also yeah it does it's a quick and easy way to make tofu with a like a weeknight meal that you might not know how to do right. otherwise and you know what kevin tofu it's beans oh, oh. i didn't even plan that <laughs> it worked out perfectly we didn't even plan that <laughs> you're right it is yeah yeah soy beans one serving of tofu will equal your serving of beans for the day perfect yeah so go forth and make some tofu make some tofu talk about our weekly plant-based challenge so once again we're talking about beans today what are some ways people can incorporate beans into their lives last week we talked about black beans specifically and how you can replace beef with black beans um do you have any other ideas how would you use beans at like breakfast let's say baked beans sound like a great idea on toast yeah, baked beans on toast. Like we could take a, a cue from our British friends. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of brands of vegan baked beans. You have to look at the 
labels very carefully. You but can also make them. You can make them yourself. Yeah, it's yeah. just ketchup and brown sugar, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a <laughs> lot of sugar. <laughs> Molasses and ketchup. Yeah. Um, tofu scramble. Replacing eggs with some tofu scramble. Tempeh. Excellent. You could do tempeh, tempeh yeah. fry up some tempeh instead of bacon. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. So that's easy for breakfast. Um, what about lunch? Lunch uh, falafel. Falafel counts as beans. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Hummus for lunch. Yes. People forget about chickpeas. Yeah. Chickpeas yeah. a bean. It, it is. It counts. Chickpeas count. <laughs> Um, you can also make like a tuna or chicken salad replacement with chickpeas. Have you done that? You kind of smash them I up have, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Delicious. A little veganese in there. Some onion, some apple or grape, some nuts, and then you put it Cilantro, on a sandwich. If that's your jam. It's always my jam. Cilantro. <laughs> you with could also everything. make. You could make three bean salad as mm-hmm. a side dish for your lunch. Mm-hmm. Which I, you get three kinds of beans. What's better than that? <laughs> <laughs> Three bean salad is delicious. Yeah. Um, and then you can also add them to like salads, like you were talking about the snacking beans. What did you call them again? I think they're lupine beans, but okay. that doesn't seem right. I don't know. But putting big beans, like butter beans, on salads is really good. Yeah. Um, Could roast some chickpeas in the oven mm-hmm. and put them on a salad. Yeah. I think that covers it. Also, bean soups. Yeah. There's more than chili. Black bean soup. Lentil soup. bean soup. soup. <laughs> Red bean soup. <laughs> Gray bean soup. Pinto bean soup. <laughs> bean soup. And as you said earlier, rice and beans. Rice and beans. Yeah. yeah. Rice and beans is a great way to boil. It's super fast, super cheap. It's kind of delicious. Cook some rice. Yeah. When the rice is done, rinse your beans, put them in with the rice so they heat up, and then eat it with Frank's hot sauce. A lot. Oh, yeah. And if you are interested in trying a really good no-oil refried bean recipe, I have an Instapot version on my website. Notlikemama.com. Also, your um, your appetizers with the bean Oh, yeah, the paste. smoky bean yeah. spread. Delicious. That's really good. It was really good. I'm going to post that, I think, next week. Um, so it's a smoked white bean spread. It's super easy. You just blend it all up, and it's really good with apples. It's good on toast. It's good with, like, carrot. Like, you would, could use it like you would a hummus, so dip for vegetables. Um, any kind of chutney would be good with any kind of chutney on top. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chutney on a cracker. <laughs> no, that sounds like something someone That's your Southern would say. Yeah. yeah, you say that all the time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, join us in the challenge. Hashtag legumes for life. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you. If you want to join us, tag us on Instagram when you incorporate legumes into your menu for the day into your breakfast into your lunch into your dinner hashtag legumes for life we would love to see what you come up with is it legumes the number four l-y-f-e thank you for pointing that out it is not (laughs) (laughs) it is spelled out like a normal person legumes for f-o-r life l-i-f-e courtney let's talk about thanksgiving Oh, yeah, let's do that. 
We had a great Thanksgiving. We had a great Thanksgiving. We spent it upstate with friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was us, the husbands. Yeah. And a couple of friends. And a dog. And a dog. And a tick. And, and a tick. <laughs> and a lot of firewood. <laughs> <laughs> a tick that was not shown any vegan compassion. No. Um, so what were some of your highlights? Oh, well, I was going to rank your, I was going to rank oh, your stuffing. You need, to, you need to rank my stuffing. Yeah. Okay. Drum, drum roll, please. 10 out of 10. Oh, wait, just 10? Yeah. 10 out of five. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad Delicious. you liked it. Really, really. It was really good. That was one of my favorite things from Thanksgiving was the stuffing was really great. So glad you liked it. I really liked the, um, green bean casserole that I, I made, too. which we talked about, I think, on the previous We did, and episode. we linked to the recipe, as well as my stuffing recipe on last week's, or in last week's show notes. So you can find those there. The thing I did different for Thanksgiving that, than from the podcast was I made my own fried onions. You did. Which was delicious. Mm-hmm. But don't feel like you need to go to that work. Yeah. Because the canned fried onions are really good also. Yeah. I'm surprised that yours crisped up so nicely even after like being refrigerated for a day. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe they, they in the they oven. They turned out well. They dried out, dried back out again. I guess. Yeah. It worked well. That was great. Um, your pecan pie. Pecan pie was good. Was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was really good. I don't think our non-vegan companions missed anything, not to put words in their mouth. But I think they had it. I think they enjoyed the food. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. At least they were polite about it if they didn't. <laughs> they were. They were model, model friends. One thing that I didn't think worked so well was the cranberry fudge pie that okay. I made. So this pie had a layer of, like, cranberry jelly on yeah. top and then fudge on the bottom. Sounds delicious. Sounds delicious. Then the cranberry part on the top was delicious. It was. The fudge part on the bottom was delicious. Yeah. But I don't think they went together very well. That's fair. It the, didn't f- stop anyone from eating it. <laughs> no, I think we ate, we ate most of it. Yeah, we did. Uh, but I, I think I would have rather had either cranberry pie or fudge pie. Yeah, that's fair. But I do think if it was like a mousse, like a chocolate mousse. Yeah, if the mousse. fudge had been a little bit of a lighter texture. Yeah, I think it was the consistency that made it. It was just chocolate chips plus coconut cream. Delicious. So maybe, maybe if I had like... <laughs> whipped it whipped it why didn't you whip it uh, why didn't i whip it good uh yeah but it was still it was still really tasty yeah. i think everything we had was super delicious yeah i agree yeah you made something that works really well for our recipe rehab segment of the week you took something that correct me if i'm wrong you grew up eating around thanksgiving yes every thanksgiving we had ambrosia salad which i didn't I hadn't heard of. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. And it's definitely a Midwestern thing. Even though I like grew up from the beginning in Florida, mm-hmm. my grandparents are from Ohio. So maybe that's where it mm. came from. Your Midwestern roots. Yeah. Are so deep. let me tell you the traditional way of making ambrosia salad. I don't, don't want to <laughs> hear it again. Mini marshmallows, a <laughs> container of Cool Whip, <laughs> a, a couple, a cup maybe of sour cream, powdered sugar. Sweetened coconut flakes, maraschino cherries, uh, mandarin orange segments, and pineapple chunks. Canned pineapple chunks. 
and you mix it all God. together into a delicious, fluffy 1970s <laughs> thing that it you can call 1970s. a salad, even though it is incredibly sweet uh-huh. and clearly a dessert. Yeah. But the jello salads are my favorite types of salads. <laughs> Salad, air quotes. I love how typical Midwestern recipes, of which my mom has a couple too, uh, how almost every ingredient is something that comes from a can or a jar. Yeah. It's like this thing that the store made, put that in the bowl with this other thing that the store made. You mix those things in the bowl. It might have originated from like one of those recipe cards that they give you at the store where it's like, buy these six things and that put them together. Be. You know what? That could be. Yeah. But you managed to. I did veganize it. So make it. the only things in it that are not vegan are almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> so marshmallows. marshmallows the fruit have, is good. Yeah, the fruit is. The fruit's good. Good to go. Marshmallows have gelatin in them. Right. Which is made from like cow hooves and yeah. pig spines and gross boiling all the yeah. the nasties gross stuff but there's a a couple brands of vegan marshmallows that you can get but the kind that i got are dandies mm-hmm. and you can get them at whole foods if you have a whole foods near you or maybe a specialty health food store or maybe even a conventional grocery store some of them are starting to carry yeah. them so i used those and then i used tofuti sour cream mm-hmm. uh pretty basic brand of sour cream and then coconut whipping cream so is that already whipped or is it, it is not. whippable? It is whippable. Okay. You can buy it already whipped. You can buy can or tubs of of non-dairy Cool Whip. Mm. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. But those are harder to find. Okay. Even in New York, it's hard to find those tubs of Cool Whip. Yeah. So this is just a can of coconut whipping cream and it's really fatty and you get it, you put it in the refrigerator overnight and then it solidifies and then you can whip it up. I did it by hand because we didn't have a mixer and I got really tired. <laughs> so maybe it was not as whipped as it could have been. Uh-huh. But you whip it up with the powdered sugar, add in the vegan sour cream mm-hmm. and then all of, all of your other ingredients, the marshmallows and the coconut and all of the other stuff and put it back in the fridge and mm-hmm. it marinates in its own juices for a little while. And becomes totally delicious and Midwestern, and you cannot tell that it's not vegan. Yeah, no. You could. There, there's no way to tell. Yeah, because it it's all great. So it's just a punch of sugar to the face. <laughs> it so. really was. But it was really good. So, that's, I mean, that's one specific thing, one specific example of something to veganize, but you can use those techniques to veganize any of those ingredients marshmallows yeah, right. or sour cream or. Um, what's the other thing? Whipped cream. Yeah. Yeah. And whipped cream is the only thing you really need to do anything with. Right. The other things you just buy. Right. Yeah. But if you've been wanting ambrosia salad, there <laughs> Here's you go. your chance. You can make, make it. Make it for Christmas. Make it for your holiday celebration. Yeah. Are you going to provide a recipe for that? We can yeah, link to absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. So people can make it for Christmas, we'll maybe? We'll post it on notlikemama.com. We could. We will do that. Mm-hmm. So you can find that over there. And I will say, it sounded like a monstrosity, <laughs> no but one, it was very good. No one thought it was a good idea. No one did. Everyone was skeptical. <laughs> they hadn't had no faith in me until they tried it. Yes. And I think everyone liked it. You proved it to us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank it you. was great. You did a good job. 
Join us next time as we talk about plant-based Christmas, plant-based gift ideas for you or your loved ones, and recipe rehab of Christmas gravy. Follow us on Instagram at Our Plantful Kitchen. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with another plant-loving person or plant-curious friend. Let's eat more plants. Let's eat some plants. I make vegan gravy all the time. Wink, wink. A Secret Weapon Production.